I'm going to read aloud from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. I invite you to stand if you're able as I read God's word aloud. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We no longer, uh, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. God's word, may he bless it. You may be seated. In a book that I have referenced several times in this sermon series on resetting our compass, uh, Bill Hybels, in the book Simplify, uh, tells about the time he interviewed Dallas Willard, the very brilliant uh, Christian thinker and writer who wrote so much about discipleship. Dallas Willard was known as a man who was always upbeat, who was always positive, who was always joyous and optimistic, seeing the best in people. And so Bill Hybels was interviewing Dallas Willard one time, and he said, Dallas, does anything ever get you down? Does anything ever just, just really weigh you down? And, and after thinking for a moment, this is what Dallas Willard said. He said, I'll tell you what gets me down. It bothers me that Christ followers require so much prompting and cajoling to do God's work. I know pastors who must beg people to show up for events. They must beg people to use their God-given spiritual gifts to further His kingdom. Churches spend thousands of dollars producing emotional videos to move people to care for the poor, like Jesus said. Sort of sobering, isn't it? That the one thing that got this great writer and Christian thinker down was the fact that God's people have to be cajoled and begged and prompted to give money or to show up or to use God-given gifts to further the kingdom of God. I want you to reflect on that for a moment, and I want you to think how far that is, what Dallas Willard described, how far that is from what the Apostle Paul described 
as the believers experience in 2 Corinthians, especially in chapter 5, where Paul says, the love of Christ urges us on. The love of Christ keeps us going. And Paul says, in Christ we're new creations. In Christ we're brand new. God's spirit is hovering over our spirits like at the day of creation and out of chaos, order is created and Jesus Christ is doing this new work inside of us. Paul was talking about the compelling message of the gospel, which is that Jesus changes lives. So how did we get from that, what Paul described, to what Dallas Willard describes? You ever think about that? Maybe one of the reasons we got there is because we thought that we had to go on the Jesus journey by ourselves. We thought that we were just a group, a collection of individuals walking the Jesus way, and we forgot or never saw the scriptures that talk about how once you come to Jesus, you become the part of, a part of the community of Christ, and we were never intended to do it by ourselves. We're supposed to do it together. Maybe we got off track because we've forgotten how much we need each other. I want to show you in this uh, scripture from 2 Corinthians 5 how many times the Apostle Paul uses the word us or we or the plural pronoun. Uh, This is from the message. This is exactly what I just read out of the new RSV, but in a little different uh, translation. God settled the relationship with us and him and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Just look how many times the word us and we and our are used in that brief passage of Scripture. And then, I didn't put it on the screen, but that very first verse of chapter 6, the Apostle Paul said, we work together with God. It's not just, I work with God, we work together with God. And the last part of that is, we work together with God so that we don't make a joke of the grace of God. That's my translation. So that the grace of God is not in vain. So we don't make a joke of what Jesus is trying to do among us. Let me tell you a little something about the Corinthians and uh, see if you, if you recognize them. They were known for their bickering. They were known for their individualism. They were going to do it themselves. They kind of liked to be their own heroes. They didn't like to depend on others. And they were known for emphasizing their differences rather than what they had in common in Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul said, in Christ, God is healing the world, bringing the world back to himself. God caused Christ to become sin who knew no sin so that we might become God's righteousness, a trade, just like what Kristen was talking about to the children. Now, what Paul was saying was, if God could reach across the huge canyon 
to draw us back? Why can't we reach across the tiny little ditches to one another? If God can reach across a huge canyon, why can't we reach across the ditch? It's God's way and God's work to bring us into that, into that oneness, into that family, into that sense of connection, into that, into that belonging to each other. That's what Paul's talking about, becoming the community of Christ. By the way, I want to show you our church's mission statement. We've done this occasionally in, in uh, worship services, and uh, we say it aloud together occasionally. Uh, thinking about what the Apostle Paul has said so far about belonging to each other and about uh, how we uh, are resetting life's compass, how does our mission statement measure up with 2 Corinthians 5 and the first two verses of chapter 6? You think about what Paul said about uh, how we have to do it together, honoring uh, being inclusive and yet diverse. You think about what he says about being ambassadors for Christ, sharing the love of Christ, and empowering disciples. God's given us the ministry of, of uh, reconciliation. It's plural because we're in it together. Let's say that out loud together, okay? To honor and worship God by being an inclusive and diverse family of faith, sharing the love of Jesus Christ, and empowering disciples. That's a, that's a, a constant resetting of the compass so that we stay on track and we stay on task as a church, and we be uh, who we're supposed to be. Now, I want to shift gears for a moment, and I want to bring these scriptures of the Apostle Paul down a little bit more out of the stratosphere into the daily walk of daily life. I, I want us to think about how we become the community of Christ in a practical way. In other words, how we practically live out what Paul has taught us in 2 Corinthians 5. And here's my question. How can you become the community of Christ if you don't spend time together? How can you become the community of Christ if you don't get to know each other? And how can you become the community of Christ if you don't learn to trust each other? All of that takes time. All of that takes intentional connecting and geographically at times being at the same time in the same place at the same time. That means developing the disciplines of being intentional about being in worship services. It means being intentional about the practice of being in small groups. The Linton small groups are forming as of this Sunday today. Uh, Sunday morning groups form. We have other week, weekday and weeknight groups. Being intentional about serving being intentional about exercising our spiritual gifts. There's a way for us to be more intentional about being the community of Christ, about living this scripture day by day. I want to show you another verse of scripture. It's from Hebrews, the uh, 10th chapter, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice that scripture says that we need to continue to meet together to provoke and encourage one another and not neglect the habit of meeting together. 
couple of observations about that verse. I see that verse as the practical second part to what our scripture was this morning from 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 sets the compass heading. We are to be Christ's reconciling people. How do you do that? Day by day, putting one foot in front of the other. This is how you do it, by never neglecting to be together as God's people. The other thing I want you to notice uh, is that they evidently in the first century were having the same problem we have. People got too busy. People got their priorities mixed up. Remember, this whole series is about setting priorities, right? This whole series is about getting in charge of our calendar and our time and our commitments, about putting first things, the most important things first. Evidently, in the first century, they were, st- they were already struggling with mixed-up priorities, having, having a confusion about what's important in life and what's not. And in the Scripture, it says, don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect provoking and encouraging one another. Now, I don't want to go all legalistic on you this morning. Aren't you glad? I I don't want to go all legalistic on us this morning and and start guilting people because everybody has to miss church. I mean, even I miss church. Uh, When you're sick or your job requires it or family situations, not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about that, that drifting away. I'm talking about how much we really need each other and how, and how when we miss church consistently, we, we're robbing God because I can guarantee you when we're not taking part in small group and worship on a regular basis with God's people, I can guarantee you God doesn't have our attention the way God does when we're meeting together. So we rob God when we're not meeting consistently together. We rob ourselves because we're not encouraged, we're not fed, we're not challenged, we're not reminded. But you know what else? When we don't meet together regularly, it's not just our business. When we neglect Christ and the church, it's not just our private affair. It also hurts other people when we're not here. It really does. It hurts other people when we're absent because they're counting on us for encouragement and example and strengthening and blessing. You know what it's like? It's like a family reunion that sets up a giant jigsaw puzzle on a table and all weekend of the family reunion, family members work on that jigsaw puzzle. But one family member walks out with five pieces and goes out the door and leaves for the weekend. And it doesn't matter how smart they are or how good they are, the rest of the family reunion never has all the pieces. And when you're not here, we don't have all the pieces. When you're not consistent in Christ's church and in building Christ's community, some of the pieces are missing. And that's not good. Not very long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege uh, of working with our Stephen ministry to uh, link up one of our trained and certified Stephen ministers with a person in our congregation in need who needed someone to walk with this person over a, a period of six months or nine months or 12 months to just once a week be listened to, to be prayed with, to be encouraged, just to, just to walk with this person. It's 
Stephen Ministry is a beautiful ministry, and, and I was able to find the right matchup of the Stephen Minister and the care receiver. And I, and I thought after I hung up the phone and after I filled out the paperwork, I thought to myself, nothing revs my engine as a pastor. Nothing revs my engine so much as linking up someone with spiritual energy with someone with spiritual need. Someone with a gift or something to offer with someone who's in a crisis. And to see those two link up is a beautiful, beautiful experience. Being Baptists, a part of our Baptist heritage, is the priesthood of all believers. We believe that each of us has access to God. Each of us are priests to each other to serve one another in full capacity. And what a joy it is to see God's people connecting in powerful ways and showing up and caring for each other. And I might say it this simply. You're only going to get out of church what you put into it. You walk away from church and say, boy, they weren't very friendly. I, I never got much out of that. Did you do anything besides show up once in a while and grunt through the hymns? I did say grunt. I don't know if that word's been said before from this pulpit, but I said grunt. I mean, we only get out of church what we put into it. Just makes sense, doesn't it? Now, Bill Hybels, in that book that I've quoted so often, he, uh, he says there's, a, there's this unbelievably simple formula for getting more consistent in church and Bible study groups and the disciplines and weekly habits of being together. He says it's a very simple, uncomplicated formula for getting more consistent in, uh, in, in being with God's people. You ready for it? This is profound. Put it on your calendar. Take your paper calendar and write in red letters, C-H-U-R-C-H, on Sunday. Or get your Outlook or whatever program you have for your uh, smartphone or your device or your computer and, and write on Sunday church and hit that recurrence button and put every, uh, once a week, every Sunday. He's not being a smart aleck and neither am I. Put it on your calendar. And when somebody asks you, are you busy Sunday? We want to do such and such. Say, you know, by the way, I have a commitment that day. You know, I'm tied up that day. Can we do it some other time? That's what you do with anything else that's important. A rock concert that you want to go to. A Jays game that you want to go to. I can't do that then. The point is, you don't wait till Sunday morning at 7.30 to decide if you're going to church. You know what your body's going to tell you if you haven't decided by then? Oh, it's raining. Oh, it's cloudy. Oh, it's too sunny. Oh, I'm so tired. Doyle will never miss me. Somebody else will sit in my pew. I'll pay the money. If you wait till Sunday morning to decide... That's too late. And you don't even wait till Saturday night to decide. You decide right now that you want to be a part of the community of Christ. 
You decide right now to set your compass, to be a part of God's family, to be engaged, to be involved. You make that decision now, and then you don't have to make it every week. It's already made. It's already made. Paul didn't say, I'm an ambassador for Christ. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ. He didn't say, God's given me the ministry of reconciliation. He said, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, we're working together with God. I've decided that we can learn from the HOV signs on the busy freeways uh, in the uh, major cities. You know the HOV lines? Uh, High occupancy vehicles. Uh, There's a lane that opens up during rush hour, uh, during their busy times, that's for vehicles with more than one person, and it may designate it has to be two people in that vehicle, has to be at least three people in that vehicle. We need HOV lanes opened up once we come to Christ. We need to be taught that once we come to Christ, it's never intended that we drive alone. Once we come to Jesus, we're not supposed to drive alone. What the cities are trying to avoid is a bottleneck of a whole bunch of vehicles with just one people in them, with one person in them. And you know, it seems like a lot of us are trying to get to heaven all in our separate little vehicles. But Jesus calls us to be the community of Christ because we need each other. We're called to do this together. And whether you like it or not, when you come to Jesus... You come to each other. When you come to Jesus, you come to one another. Let's do it. Let's pray.